back to Travolting, covering Mad City. Enjoy the episode. Do you know what I am? What are you, Jeff? What am I? Guess. I think you're... Uh, uh, I'm mad. You're mad. And you know where I am right now? You're in a city. Yeah! <laughs> That's right, folks. This week we're covering the most the 1997 uh, seven motion picture Mad, mad City. city. What, uh, a, what an intro. What an intro. We're losing our minds. We are. Uh, this is What episode is this, Jeff? It's episode 30. This is episode 30. Episode, <laughs> we are not halfway done yet. <laughs> We're no. getting close. No. Not um, halfway done. You think about it. 75. It's yeah. been 22 years. We've yes. covered so far. We've covered 22 years of uh, John Travolta's life. And we have 24. More to go. More to go. Yes. That is correct. If you count Paradise City, which comes out within the next year, it's interesting that like it's an even amount of movies over the times. When you think about it, like yes. like we're reaching the halfway point, not just in movie wise, but in year but in wise. Year wise, Travolta has been a fairly prolific actor his entire career. He's never really been a taking. He's never really taken a break. Right. Never even taken a break, and never had like a fast at the gun hot streak his only break was that late 80s period yeah which still resulted in movies coming out because he had shot them prior to taking the break yeah and he did that uh play with robert altman Mm -hmm. yeah basement's the dumbwaiter what a good movie best movie ever covered right only in like uh great arabic subtitles with tim conti tim conti what a great actor um but yeah, this week, uh, we're not talking about Basement the Dumbwaiter. We're talking about the motion picture, Mad, Mad City, City, a Dustin Hoffman, John Travolta film directed by Costa Gavras. Yes. Uh, which Who I had done what? After this? After this? Or before this? Before this, uh, Costa Gavras, uh, which is short for Constantinos Gavras. Uh, he's Greek, um, makes a lot of films in French. I believe he lives in France. Um, but he is known for you know political thrillers. He did the motion picture Z in the late 60s which was nominated for quite a few oscars i believe he won foreign language film for it um he also made missing which he won the palme d'or at con for uh, so pretty so prolific pretty pretty nice he's uh pretty good yeah he's in inter- he's a legend within french cinema mm-hmm. um when it comes to like wider acclaim those are his only two movies that i think really made a huge mark okay um but you know he's well respected within you know art house circles and whatnot okay gotcha um, but you know, after he you know did his run uh, foreign language, he dabbled with uh, American um, Hollywood films. Yeah, as a lot of uh, foreign directors do. Sometimes they stick with it. Sometimes they go back. Like uh, you know, uh, oh my god, what's his name? He did Starship Troopers and RoboCop. Uh, Paul Verhoeven. Paul yeah. Verhoeven. Um, you know, where he started in uh, Dutch film, became American blockbuster, and then went back to Dutch films. Yeah. What are you? Can't take a hit of your vape. Cut this out. Um, but yeah, uh, Costa Gavras, um, and this is in that mid-90s period where he is dabbling in American cinema. Yeah. And uh, he makes this film, Mad City, uh, which was written by uh, Tom Matthews. 
there's not too much in the way of how this movie got made. It's kind of just basically a riff on things such as Kirk Douglas's Ace in the Hole or um, what's it called? Um, Dog Day Afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, that classic movie, which is great, better than this, but we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a riff on those movies that are satires of the news industry and kind of the, right. the major media circus that follows. And we're going to get into this at the end, but this movie was lukewarm critically. Yes. and But I think you and I are a little hotter. I don't think we're like hot on it, but I think we're a little hotter than um, yeah. the consensus was at the time. Because I think when this came out, because I agree with what you're saying, like there was a period, um, I want to say predominantly in the 70s. I mean, there have been movies, uh, you know, satirical, a satire on the media since yeah. like the fucking thirties, you know, yeah. like since, I mean, in a technical sense, like, um, what was the Charlie Chaplin film? Uh, modern times, modern times is, is like not, you can't really say like media, but in like sort of like society and like yeah. the capitalistic nature of it. And it kind of goes into like this satire on the exploitation of common people. Yeah. The commercialization of yeah, tragedy. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, but I do think that in the seventies, particularly there were a lot of films that came out that were very hard hitting at the news media. Yes. And what this got critically panned for, and the reason why I'm saying it at the beginning is because I think it's important to know that you and I are going into this with like, you know, pretty, I would, I would give this honestly seven. Yeah. This is, I think this is a solid seven. I think it's a solid seven. And, but it got, I would say panned at like, as like a five, Yeah. like a five and a half. A little lower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, and I think it's because like those critics are. They'd seen better versions. They'd of this. seen better versions re- of this from like memory. within like the seventies and eighties and Even early nineties. Um, but I feel like you know, besides movies like Network and uh, Dog Day Afternoon, Dog Day Afternoon, this movie suffers from comparison. But yeah. in a vacuum, I think it it's kind of like Staying Alive. Yes, perhaps. Well, I'm a little hotter on this than I was. Here's on the thing: alive, but. I wasn't hot on Staying Alive, but I was very vocal that it's not a movie that deserves a 0% yes. on Rotten Tomatoes because there are some good things about it. Yeah. Um, but it suffers from comparison of a golden movie. Yes. Saturday Fever. Saturday Fever. And so I I genuinely feel like that this movie does suffer from comparison, but if you isolate it into its own world, yeah. there are a lot of good things to take from it. And there's no particular... Because like the cinematography is pretty good, yeah, this the is editing's really good. The performances are great. Um, like I didn't, I didn't have like a moment where I'm like, oh, like that's not that great. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, you know, like I didn't have that in this movie. I, I didn't either. This is, I don't think this is an exceptional movie. Um, no, yeah. But I think it is. It's a solid programmer. Yeah. Um, Something you'd see on like TNT at 10 p.m. It's a well acted like TV thriller. Yeah. Not TV thriller, but something you, like you said, you would catch on TV. Yeah. That they get the rights to for Turner Cable and they would just put it on TBS or TNT at 10 p.m. It's also just the the kind of movie that doesn't get made anymore in the sense that it is just like the mid budget. The mid budget, but just like, you know, a studio programmer (laughs) that uh, is not not as expected to be like excellent. It just kind of operates hmm. um something that you can watch be like yeah pretty good or enjoyable and kind of 
walk away from. Gotcha. Uh, so I have a little bit of uh, sympathy or care for it in that respect. Yeah. But, you know, let's get right into the movie. Okay. Um, it's called Mad City. Um, it was originally supposed to be, because it was supposed to be set in Madison, Wisconsin. So it was supposed to be like, you know, Madison, Mad City, but also... Have you been to Madison, Wisconsin? not. Not but, really even a city. <laughs> yeah. Like, Madison's not... It's, it's like not, a thing. It It's a... It's a capital. Yeah, but it's like a Sacramento capital. Yeah. Like, it's not LA. Mm-hmm. It's not even San Francisco. It's not even San Diego. It's Sacramento. Yeah. This is like... We're, we're not even talking about Green Bay. We're not even talking about... It's another fucking city. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. It's fucking Madison. Yeah. You know? Like, it's... It's, uh... It's like a land bridge between two lakes. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I'm only saying this because I like went on a random road trip there like last summer. Yeah. It was back in my day when I was just like driving to random cities and towns just to sightsee. And I really liked Madison and this because I went and saw it in the summer and it's like a great, you know, summer place to be. Mm-hmm. You got lakes, got nice scenery. Um, not a place you'd want to go to yeah. to like go to the big city or something like, like that. Hang out. Yeah. And maybe it like just hang vibe. out, but yeah. like, because I think the University of Madison, uh, close by, there was a lot of college folks there yeah. when I went, you know, still hanging out in the summer. Um, they got a nice like town square, like it's a circle drive around the, around the Capitol and, um, they do have some city elements, like they have homeless people and some taller buildings, but not really yeah. much outside of that. Gotcha. That would qualify as a city. Anyway, this was going to be set in Madison, Wisconsin, but and it's also not. the double meaning of like Mad City, like it's crazy city. Um, but it's not probably due to tax incentives, so it is instead it's set in Madeline, California, so they could keep the Mad City joke, which I find extremely funny that that is the whole reason it's set in Madeline, uh, California. Okay, <laughs> it they, really didn't matter where this was set, though. Yeah, this it, could have been set in New York. Yeah, and that that is a failing of this movie that the location really doesn't matter, in spite of the name of the thing yeah. being right um, a play on it. Yeah, uh, but Dustin Hoffman is the lead. In yes, this. John Travolta gets top billing though in the opening credits, that, which is this is a second movie. Like not even this is like the the third, fourth, fifth movie we've covered where it's like, is he really the lead in this? He's not, but I think it is a testament to where we're at in his career um, that he has such a list draw and like familiarity that he's besting an old hat like Dustin Hoffman in the billing. Wow. On the poster, Hoffman does get top bill. Um, I'm not sure why it changes to the credits, but I think it just kind of shows where we're at in Turles' career right now that Dustin Hoffman, who's been a legend for 20, 30 years at this point, um, is outstaged in, those, in that building by John Travolta. That's... Because he's the new hotness. Or not the new hotness. But. I just want to think it's like an agent negotiation tactic. I mean, it absolutely is agent negotiation, but it also comes down to where he's at in his career. Yeah. There's, there's some movie, I can't remember what which one it was, but it had two big stars in it and they were feuding over who got top billing on the poster. So in half the country, one of them's top billed and the other half, the other one gets top billed. Like the Mississippi like separates how, wow. how the posters were distributed. That's interesting. I cannot remember what the movie was though. I could look it up, but I am not going to. Yeah. Um, so the thing that is um, a key core essential theme of this, which goes into the opening is the weaponization of the media. media. Yes. And so, um, uh, so basically like the, the opening scene it's like mimicking like an ambush law enforcement yes. scene 
Or it's it, like it's setting up like a bank robbery. Yes. Like there's a van. It's waiting outside. Hoffman's like eyeing this bank. You see like all these pieces getting into play. Another van pulls up. It looks like it's set up like you know a heat or something like that where there's going to be this bank robbery. Except instead, some guy walks out of the bank, and instead of a robbery, it's a news crew that descends on him. Yeah. I think it's a pretty clever little gag. I agree. Like you see, like you know, microphones. Yeah, like, uh, like looking like silencers in some sense. Yeah, like sense. it looks like they're screwing in like silencers in their guns and like putting a rounds in. They're putting like a lens on a camera body, yeah. like a magazine on yeah. a gun. It's it's interesting. It's smart visual storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Opening scene. Yeah. But instead they run right up to this guy and they're like, how do you feel about these allegations that you might get indicted? Yeah. Ambush him. Ambushing uh, him. With journalism. Yeah. He demurs and gets in his car and drives off. Right. And Hoffman's like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get him later. Yeah. So um, then Hoffman goes back. Uh, introduced him as Max Brackett. Yeah, um, he's, he's an investigative reporter. He used to be a hot shop um, in New York, but yeah. got bumped to uh, Madeline, Wisconsin, or uh, California, California. Um, due to something he did that we learn about later. Yeah. Um, he kind of has a reputation for tr- of being a showboat. So I'm not going to lie. The previous episode that you folks have already listened to is our face-off. And as I said, halfway through that movie, I smoked a lot of weed and got pretty high. Well, during the viewing, I then went from that to this movie. So I was still like residually high. So I don't remember a lot that <laughs> happened in this movie. So I might need your help a little bit. You need Jack. my help? Because oh, you say he, of something he did in New York, yeah. and I don't know what he did. We'll like, get to it. Okay. Um, but I do remember, like, it sort of sets him up as an investigative reporter. He goes back to, like, because he, he's a freelancer. He No, he works for the network. Um, he There's, like, a bit about him being a freelancer later, but it's just kind of thrown off that he's ignoring his directive. Oh, okay. But he works for this network um, where it's their affiliate station in Madeline instead of their main station The main in New York. station, okay. Um. But he's like, he's trying to get bigger things than his boss, played by Robert Prosky. He's like, no, you're just going to do fluff pieces for us. And he sends him to the museum with the intern. <laughs> yeah. Um, Laurie. Uh, played by Mia Kirshner in this movie. I think a very charming performance. Yeah. Um, I don't remember too much about oh what God. she had to do in this movie. Um, oh, my God. No, it was, no here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm going to have to <laughs> just explain this whole movie. No, it's like. I know she had an arc. Yes. Uh, I remember vaguely what that arc was, that she starts off as like this innocent, like... How do you remember Face Off, which is a convoluted movie? No, I remember Face Off very well. Yeah, I know. How did you remember that convoluted movie very well, but not remember this? Well, I sparked my joint halfway through. (laughs) So I was still pretty high during like the beginning to the end of this movie. But, okay. You know what I wrote down? What? Well, well, we'll get to it. We haven't gotten to the Travolta okay. yet, but we'll get to it. Yeah, but it's yeah. one thing I really do remember. Is it remember. about the... Yeah. 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 Okay, so um, he's sent to do a fluff piece on the museum, and whether because it has budget cuts. And so he goes yes. to the museum this with, La- with Laurie. Uh, she's, they go inside, and they do a little interview. Um, yeah, with the curator. With the curator, who's like denying like he's like this museum is important we need funding and yeah so go into the exhibits or something yeah. and like keep it alive and uh max makes sure that Lori frames a dinosaur in the background and is like Di- is this museum much like a dinosaur going to go extinct he's a showboat 
Um, and then he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> yep. Um, Laura goes outside to upload the footage. While he's in the bathroom, in walks John Travolta, Travolta our man, our man, and uh, playing Sam Bailey. Sam Bailey. He's dressed as a guard. And, and let he, me just stop you right here. We're going to go to the hair ranking right now. Let's go ahead and cue the music. Welcome to the hair ranking. John Travolta in this movie. Jeff. Yes. Jeff. Yes. The hair. Sideburns. (laughs) Sideburns, baby. Oh, my gosh. I wrote down in big text, uh, sideburns, exclamation, exclamation. Exclamation. Uh, I want to look up a photo of John Travolta in this just to see what what he looks like but like the sideburns though mm-hmm. it is Magnificent. so like i i don't know <sighs> okay i found a good photo yes oh they are they are magnificent they're there they're present they're very prominent uh and they lean a lot to his character so sam bailey is yeah a former guard yeah. of this museum. He got fired because of budget cuts. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he walks in with a shotgun. I mean, we're getting into plot right now in the hair. We, we are, but it, it all carries into it okay. um, is because he wants his job back. Now, why this all carries into the hair. It's because as I said, in Pulp Fiction, while it doesn't attain to his looks, a lot of it attains to the story. Sam Bailey is not a very educated person. Mm-hmm. He's kind of more blue collar. Literally has a blue collar. Literally movie. has a blue collar in this movie. Yeah. Um, subtlety subtlety yeah um talks with like a a simple accent like he sort of Mm -hmm. talks like he's you know a a pretty simple person uh dustin hoffman kind of uses that to his advantage in the story manipulates him yeah and so the hair in this first off let's look above the the sideburns for now up to the top yes you know eyes and above poof um it's very disheveled it's like not the standard gel up yeah. stylized Travolta that we get. It's like, it looks kind of like messy. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fluffy. Like it, it's got a good fluff to it. Um, a lot more floof craziness happening in the front ends. And then it, we get these very prominent sideburns. Like he has to trim around yeah. the sideburns. Like he, the sideburns are intentional for his character. And it all just made me think that's like this is a guy who represent like sort of a toxic form of ownership yeah. that he feels like he deserves and needs. Like he he has a sense of entitlement that he needs yeah. to be heard and listened to, in combination with his like simple minded nature. And I think his hair really plays that off really well because when you see him walk in, and the first thing he starts talking and the way he starts talking, you know right away who this guy yeah. is. It seems like so. For looks, not the great. He doesn't look sexy in this movie mm-hmm. at all. Um, for the story content, I feel like it can't, carries a lot of weight to it. So where I want to put this is below, blow up, above Chains of Gold. Whoa. Yeah. I want to put it at number 11. 11. So that's the hair ranking. 
sideburns. Cue the exit. Music. Cue the exit music. So, yes, Travolta walks in. Um, he doesn't have a gun at this point yet. It's in his backpack. It's in his backpack. Um, he walks up to Blythe Danner, who's playing the curator, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, great actress in her own right as well. Um, he walks up to her and is like, she's like, what are you doing here, Sam? And he's like, I just want my job back. And um, I so want you to listen. And he's like, "There's, you know, there's nothing I can do with that. And he pulls a gun out and is like, well, you'll listen now. Um, and there's also a group of kids that are touring the museum right yep, this time. Yeah, with a teacher. With a teacher. And he's like, all right, everyone sit down. You and me are going to talk. Max, um, oh, what's his last name? Max Brackett hears this and is like looking through the crack of the bathroom door. Yeah. And he grabs his little lapel walkie and is like, Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. And she can't hear him. So he calls her. And where does he call her from? Uh, a phone in his pocket. It's a, I thought, I'm pretty sure it wasn't it a pay phone in the bathroom. No, it was a cell phone he had. Did they have cell phones? Back it's then? like a really big cell phone. Oh. Um, but he calls her and she's like, what? And he's like, there's a hostage situation inside. Set up a camera. Um, no. Call the network. It's a pay phone. Oh, it is a pay phone in the bathroom. I was high, but I wasn't that high. Yeah. It was a fucking pay phone in a bathroom. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Um, and she's like, okay. Um, and so he's just, he's watching and he's, he gets on the air. They put him on and he's like, I am in the bathroom. I am watching. Yada, yada, yada. And he's just explaining the situation. Immediately turning it to a story. Yes. Turning it into a story before he even knows what's happening. There isn't like a moment of hesitation for him either. Yes. It's he's just like, like, this is a story we're doing. And like, this story, we're, we're covering it right away. Um, and so sh- um, eventually Travolta like turns a TV on. And just sees himself like the museum, and he's like, "What? How did he find out?" Yeah, the and, news finds out before the police find out. Yes, and so he searches the bathroom. He finds Max Bracken, and brings him out, and holds him hostage as well. Yeah, Travolta's waving a shotgun around at this point. Um, at one, and then yes, he's like explaining, "I just want my job back. I don't want any craziness." He accidentally fires the shotgun because he hears a noise. And who is it hit? It hits uh, Cliff, who is the other security guard who and kept his job. Where do we know him from? Uh, it's Bill Nunn. He is a lovely actor. He's in Do the Right Thing. Um, He's also in the Spider-Man trilogy as Robbie Robertson. Yeah, that's um, right. I actually didn't recognize him in this because he has the big bushy mustache. Oh, I, I recognized him right away. It's like that's the dude from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Bill Nunn. He's Radio Rahim in Do the Right Thing. Um, lovely actor. Yeah, uh, gone too soon. Rest in peace. Um, Five minutes to deadline, Jonah. <laughs> I love how you're putting like a good yeah. role for him you to do the right thing. And all I'm thinking about is him in Spider-Man. I mean, okay, sidebar. He's so good in those Spider-Man movies. <laughs> you know why? Is. Why? He's the only other person in those movies who knows he's Spider-Man. Who knows Peter Spider-Man. Wait, what? He's, if you watch those movies, it's so subtle, but he's very aware that Peter is Spider-Man. Sidebar. Yeah. There's se- what? The, no, there's several moments. There's one where like... um. I think it's like after a Doc Ock fight in Spider-Man 2 where Peter comes up with all these amazing pictures. Um, and Robbie Robertson just looks at Peter and he's like, heard Spider-Man was there. And just like gives him a knowing look and Peter looks at him back and like nods his head. Hmm. It's just this really wow. lovely, subtle wow. little detail. 
I never caught in those on to spi- that. In that Spider-Man trilogy, the I'm same learning new things every day with that you, Robbie Jeff. Robertson is aware of Peter Parker being Spider-Man. He's the only person besides Peter, Mary Jane, and Harry who knows. And I just think that's such a... Those movies, I love them because they're so earnest. Yeah. I love that Spider-Man 2 is a, literally just a movie about the importance of being earnest. And at several points, he goes to see a play called The Importance of Being Earnest. <laughs> Great movies. Great movies. Um, so anyway... Uh, he, yeah, gets he gets shot. <laughs> he gets shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he falls down the steps. Yeah. He's not dead. He's just Charles, critically wounded. M- Sam's just like, oh, no, I didn't mean to shoot him, I swear. And Max is immediately like, this is going to look bad for you. You shot the guy who has your job. Yada, yada, yada. You shot a black he's guy. black. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Laurie runs over and helps him. Yeah. Um, which Max Cameras will, are still going. The camera's still going. So they see her run over and pull him out. Yeah. And get him in an ambulance. Uh, after that, police show police up, and show there's, up. like, a whole barricade outside. Yeah. Max, at the same time, is just like, we're going to talk about this, Sam. We're going to figure out what's going on. Um, he's, like, he's like kind of coaching him <laughs> through how to handle this hostage situation, but not in a good way. He's kind of coaching him in the way of... How do I make this into more of a story for me, the guy who has the exclusive? Yeah, he's like leading him through how the story is going to go and telling him how, like, what his part in it is going to be and how he's going to be the person to help him through it. And, like, he likely could have convinced him to just surrender right then and there. Yeah. But instead, he's like, we got to prolong the story. I need the coverage because I want to be on the top again. Well, there's a lot of funny little tidbits that they put in this movie where John Travolta forgets his gun a lot. Yes. And. All of those moments when this happened, Dustin Hoffman It's established sees that Dustin Hoffman could have grabbed the gun at yeah. any point. He sees it. He see every time Jolta forgets his gun, Dust Hoffman is in the frame. He had it's the opportunity to like end a, this situation at any time. Usually like a wide shot where like there's like the first one is a comical one because he like puts it on like a like a stairwell uh step or something, yeah. turns around to talk to the curator, he's like, Oh, sorry, and grabs the gun. Yeah. And like Hoffman's standing right there. Yeah. In the same frame, mm-hmm. and it and it happens at, at least three times. It's it's a good bit of like explaining like the cravenness of Hoffman's character at this point. Yeah, um, and how he's only interested in the story and not the people in the story. Right. Um, he just wants to prolong the situation. Yeah, he does, because now the police are outside and they're barricading it up. Um, he there's really not too much plot that happens like in between these things. There's a lot of just like. I think a problem this movie has is it has some tonal issues around the first half. Yeah. Um, it's not sure whether it wants to be a comedy or a drama at some points. Like, are we playing like this jaunty Thomas Newman music as Troll is like, oh my God, they're going to kill me. And I'm like, this is kind of sad. Yeah. I uh, think it takes a hard turn in the second and yeah. third act that it's a drama. Yeah. It tries to do the Dog Day Afternoon thing where the first half is really funny and mm-hmm. the second half is really sad. Yeah. Except it doesn't nail either of them to like to a perfect degree as like dog yeah. day afternoon does yeah and that's no disrespect to this i mean it's kind of disrespect this but um i don't mean that as like a huge slight i just don't think it entirely coalesces right uh and so is this when we find out that he also brought dynamite yeah because uh uh, Hoffman's like, what else did you bring? He opens He's like, I didn't bring anything. It's like 10 sticks of dynamite inside. And he's like, why did you bring this? It's like, well, in case the gun didn't yeah, in case get her to listen. To listen. To I thought this would get her to listen to me. And he's like, oh, God. It's like, this is not going to help you at all. Mm-hmm. Like, And this is where like Travolta's performance in this. Yeah. I think it's really good. 
I think it becomes really good. Mm. I think he's a little too broad at the opening. Yeah. Um, but I think once you get into like the sadder stuff, he's he really sells. Um, just like the sadness of this guy's plight. Yeah, a, a guy who's just in on out of his depth. I just think in the beginning, like it, it, it passes it off at first as like a fish out of water. Like this is a guy who clearly didn't think two steps ahead yeah. of his own plan, mm-hmm. and um, he's just doing one thing at a time. And it's Hoffman who's like carrying him through every step yeah. of the plan that he's gonna, like, w- which kids he's gonna let go. Like at one yeah. point, Hoffman literally is like guiding yeah. him through which kids he's gonna give up for an interview. Mm-hmm. And that, which is Hoffman's idea, is the interview. Yeah. Like all of his demands, everything that he wants, Hoffman's the one that's like bringing this up. Yeah. And um, I love the uh, visual pieces where it shows the news swarming, like yeah. an army. Yes. At like whenever they let kids go or whatever, and you see a swarm of cameras yeah. and microphones just like flooded them up. And I'm like, it, it, this is a, I wrote down like this film de- demonifies. Um, the news media. Yeah, it makes them evil. Yeah. Um, it's an effective satire in that respect. Um, but, you know, he convinces uh, Sam to do an interview. Yeah. Um, Those are all my notes. <laughs> <That's> all <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Those are um, all my notes. I haven't movie. even looked at my notes. Um, I wrote sideburns in all caps. Me too. <laughs> um, but uh, right as, you know, the... You know, he starts getting the news. It just like shows the shot of the world. It shows some shots, a montage of the world discovering the story. It yeah, just, like people flocking to TVs in their homes and on the street. There's a preacher who's like, "This isn't news. Uh, the, you got to read the news for all time." And he holds up a Bible and he's like, "The word of God's the news for all time." Right. Um, but I let and he's gonna get this interview, and I like that it's establishing this dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Where they're essentially, they want the same thing. They both want their jobs back. Yeah. Uh, Sam wants his literal job back at this $8 an hour security guard deal. Uh, Max wants to be like top of the news again. Yeah. They both want their jobs back, and there's a certain camaraderie in that between them, which sustains them at this opening part. There um, is and there isn't. Only in yeah. the sense that, like, I think this is where you kind of agree, like, Travolta's performance gets better. And that is in the moments during these interviews where, like, Travolta picks up on things of, like, wait, why are you saying this about me? Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? Yes. And it's it's got these moments where, like, yes, their goals are in a line, but not to Travolta's knowledge. Yeah. Because to Travolta's knowledge, Hoffman's his best friend. Yes. He's the guy who's going to get him out of the situation. It's it's not so Hoffman's much that... Hoffman's exploiting him, though. Yes. Yes, he's exploiting him. Mm-hmm. Um but the he go he lets Hoffman have to go negotiate a deal for this interview with the police captain, um, and the deal is release a kid, you can bring the interview in. Yeah. So Hoffman gets a camera, he goes inside and uh, he's like, "Okay, which kid you let in?" Joel's like, "I think the little girl with the glasses. Uh, I like the glasses." And so he's like, "All right, you got to let a black kid go as well because uh, this is going to turn into a race thing." Yeah. Uh, and so he. Let's two kids go, and he's like, let another kid know. It'll make him like you more. And he does an interview with him, and he's like, all right, Sam, explain yourself. And he kind of coaches him beforehand into what to say to appear sympathetic. Yeah. That he's just a guy, a normal guy, out of his depth, wants his job back, etc. He feels like he was failed by the system and whatnot. But he's a family man. I mean, it works, and his poll numbers shoot up. Yeah. And Sam becomes a folk hero. <laughs> 
Uh, this is the moment where like it tries to do the dog day afternoon thing, but doesn't fully succeed. Well, they yeah, they do little snippets of it with like the yeah. t-shirts. But they make like, t-shirts really quickly. They do. With his face on them. Yeah. And it's like, Sam is our hero. And there's like a rap group and they wrote a song called What About Cliff? <laughs> About Cliff who got <laughs> oh, shot and is in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's working out in Max's favor. He's the only reporter who can report on the hottest story right now. And what's interesting is like, you know, it does get explicitly said at the end of the movie where they have the line of like, Max, are you even like a hostage? Yeah. But in the beginning, the first two acts, like he does have like this in and out access. Yeah. Of like. The, he can just go outside. He can go outside, talk to the cops, literally go to the news station, come back and go back into the place. Yeah. Like he has this in and out access. That's like, are you a yeah. hostage? Like what? It, it it's it's that was like a mind-boggling thing for me where i'm just mm. like what but people have to be catching on to this yeah. that like this guy is clearly the one in control of the situation mm-hmm. um so yeah um it, we get a point where reporters are sneaking into cliff's room who's yes. still critically wounded um and he gives a little interview saying i don't hold this against sam yeah which helps sam even more um and at the same time like going off of how this is a situation that gets blown up by the news media. Like, there's a cut where it's like inside the siege. It's like they're inside like, the <laughs> siege. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts inside, and all the kids are like playing. Yeah. And Charles is playing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that this is not a siege. This is a guy out of his depth, um, and the kids aren't even in that bad of a shape. Yeah. Um, but it gets turned into a circus. This is the part where Blake Danner walks up to Travolta and is like, you need to stop. And he's like, well, why don't you go check and see if the buffalo are grazing properly? And he points out, like, these, like, mannequin buffalo. I thought that was funny. I yeah. I know of it. Um, so I'm trying to think, like, what comes next. Because I know Cliff eventually dies. Well, yes, but that's much later. Oh, is that much later? Right at this point, you know... Bailey kind of changes his tone. He's like, I know I'm not getting my job back from this. All I want is forgiveness. I just want to be able to go home to my wife and kids and not go to jail. Not go to jail. Uh, Max presents to the cops and they're like, no way. Yeah. It's like he nah. took kids hostage and shot a guy. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Brackett um, decides like, all right, let's start wrap. Let's figure out how to end this in prime time. Well, isn't there's another like anchor reporter that yeah. comes in? On Alan the scene. Alda, yeah, uh, which is played by Kevin. Uh, he's playing Kevin Hollander, uh, played by Alan Alda. Yeah, uh, I cannot do an Alan Alda impression. I wish I could, <laughs> but um, he is Max is like old foe from New York. Yeah, and he's like this isn't news. Max Brackett's making this up. That fucking guy, and it plays the old clip of why they don't like each other, and it's that Alan Alda was a reporting on a plane crash into the ocean mm-hmm. and he's and max brackett was the on-scene reporter and hollander was like are there any body parts and max turned it against him and was like how dare you ask about body parts and he started fake crying and was like there's people are dying out there and yeah yeah it made alan Alda look really bad it's like you want me to find you an arm you want me to find you a leg yeah what do you it, want and it's what get it's what got max sent to this city because kevin was so mad with him um, yeah, but he eventually is convinced by the network to show up and do a report on this. Um, he kind of swipes Laurie out from under Max's, uh, head and is like filling her with like 
how to run a news radio, the cutthroat ways of doing it. Yeah. Which she starts getting really into and turns against Max. Yeah. Who at this I point... I knew that was the arc of... Max is also at this point turning into actually caring about Sam and realizing what he's doing to him. Yeah. Because um, I think, isn't it Hollander who goes to Sam's wife? Or is that Max's also? Um, Max... They send, uh, he, Max tries to make like a fluff piece to make Sam look better. And he like interviews like his old teacher, his church pastor, his parents, etc. Even his wife. Yeah. But eventually, um, Alan Alda gets like the wife involved otherwise. And she talks with Sam and it results in like. Sam shooting his gun yeah, out at, the window. Yeah, out the window because he's so yeah. mad that they brought her into it. Making him look like yeah, making crazier. Him, making him look crazy instead yeah. of just angry which he is yeah he's just mad in the city mad city mad city title of the movie mad city mad roll credits um but the um at this point brackets like trying to convince him all right let the kids go let's just end this now because this is going to turn out bad i know they're gonna the poll numbers are gonna turn against you the public's fickle and the police are getting jumpy yes yeah um sam doesn't believe him and then the police climb on the roof and uh have a sniper and sam's trying to entertain the kids by explaining the story of Chief Joe, um, who's a, a Native American war chief who they have an exhibit on in the museum. Yeah. But the way he is performing this, like, you know, exhibit for the kids makes it look like he's waving a gun at them. The snipers take a shot at him. They miss. Um, but now Sam knows, like, they want to kill him. And he becomes more resolute in his, like, idea to just make this prolonged. Yeah. Because this goes on for, like, at least three days. Yes. This is, like, a three-day event. Yeah. Kids are sleeping over at this museum. Yes, uh, but they send, like, pizza and Air Jordans and stuff for them. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, Sorry, I was just adjusting there. Um, but rather, and Max is convinced at this point, like, I cannot trust the network. Laurie turned against me. Hollander's trying to undercut me and steal the story away from me. Yeah. So instead he calls Larry King, <laughs> who plays himself in this movie. Yeah. Um, and Max and Sam do an interview with Larry King, um, where Sam actually makes himself look worse. Because, well, and also, like, Max is answering all of Sam's yes, questions Yes, Max is for trying him. to answer the questions to help him and stay in the limelight. Right. Um, and Larry King's like, you, this is an interview with Sam. I don't know why you're here. Yeah. Um, and Sam, when Sam does answer, he just makes himself look bad. He's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Just, yeah, yeah. And uh, not going well. It's poll numbers. Well, he's just not doing well with, like, the... Uh, attackful questions. Yes. Like it's, it's almost like it's being done to him. It's not to, so much. He's doing it to himself. To, to quote another movie about a great movie about news media. Um, it's ordinary people under extraordinary pleasure. What do you uh, pressure? What do you expect? Grace and consistency. That's the insider uh, by Michael Mann. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Anyway, <laughs> Oh, oh God, <laughs> we're going mad ourselves. We're going mad city ourselves. But, uh, uh, so this Larry King interview, yeah, it doesn't do him any favors. Yes. And then on top of that, Cliff dies. Cliff dies of complications from his bullet. And it looked like he was improving, but uh, it causes a heart attack of sorts, and he passes away. Well, and wasn't there like a little bit of a snippet beforehand when like all these interviewers are trying to get in and the doctors are like, Hey, like he needs his rest. He needs yeah. his rest. And it almost very subtly, but implies that like the, it news, was, killed him. the news killed him. Yeah. Just yeah. having too much attention. It was too much stress for what he was going through. Exactly. 
It wasn't so much that Sam did it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, ooh, right after this and after Larry King interview, Sam knows he has no way in or out. Yeah. Um, no way. And if he goes out, he's going to get arrested or killed. He's never going to be able to go back to his family. Um, and so he and Brackett just like hang out and they have a really lovely little conversation. Um, just kind of talking about their histories and their lives and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I, not an educated man. I worked for $8. The best job I could get at 35 was $8 an hour as a security guard. I feel like I'm a failure. I have nothing to live for. This is, and I, it's a really touching little scene. And I think Travolta and Hoffman are both selling it really well. Yeah. Um, I find I thought that scene was pretty impactful. It got me emotional. Yeah, I uh, that I think that might have been the moment I wrote down a note that Travolta is phenomenal. He's phenomenal in that scene. Yeah, it's a really strong bit of 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 sly acting instead of showy acting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I know you say like I think you know there are some issues with tone and consistency at the beginning. I. I really, By this point, it's settled out. Yeah, but I, I felt like as a whole, like th- this, there were very, not that many bits in this movie of Travolta's performance that I wasn't sure or agreed mm-hmm. with. Like I felt like, like I say from from the very beginning, you see just how he looks. Yeah, and it's like you know almost who it's he a, is. It's a physical performance as much yeah, as a, uh, an emotional yes, one. Yes, it's very much a physical. And performance. We, we've talked a lot on this podcast about. Travolta's skills as a physical—he has just has a physical presence that no other actor does. Yeah, and movies that use him wisely are wise to use his physicality. Yeah, whether it's his dancing or just the way he looks or just how he moves around. Well, and to go back to an older episode, like she's so lovely. Yeah, like talk about the use of his stocky yes. nature to make him look big, huge, and just menacing to look at. Like I feel like that's a prime example of how you use Travolta, yeah. like really squeezing that lemon. And I feel like they do that very well with this, where it's like he's also stocky and yeah. a little bit bigger. And it just kind of the way he carries himself, like mm-hmm. it, it really is a physical performance. Yeah. I, I believed it all the way through, man. I really mm-hmm. believed it. And I it it won't it's not one of my favorites, but it's it's one that I you know, like again, seven out of ten. Strong yeah. seven out of ten for me. I would agree with that ranking. Yeah. Uh you know it's it's a it's a good movie. Yeah, we haven't even ended it yet. Yeah, I mean we're, we're getting close. There's not much in the way of plots. A lot of like most of the things we've described are just like long sequences. Yeah, but there's not much we can really dive into well, with like, it. I think we got to like the hostage situation really quickly, and that's like 14 minutes yeah. in. I think yeah. it's like pretty quick. I think the hostage situation happens, mm-hmm. or not pretty quick. I think it's pretty delayed yeah like we, we get, get a lot of business and exposition on max yeah and the, his whole spiel um and then it's like 15 minutes in when we get the hostage mm-hmm. situation and so by this point with you know they've opened up to each other and max is really rooting for sam but at this point the public so thoroughly turned against him um that he's just can try and convince him the only thing to do now is walk out of here and sam's less convinced that uh there's anything there's anything left for him to do it's at this point that he just lets the kids go gets up and says all right kids you're all getting out of here you're all getting out of here all the kids and the teacher they all get in the curator they all get out swarm of the news yeah attack them like the news gets to them before their parents do yeah that's 
visual. Yes. That's very visual that you see the parents trying from a wide shot, not a close up. You just see the, you the, see, the like, chaos of this swarming. That's like that's something that was very deliberate. That it there wasn't like close ups of like kids reaching out to their parents. It was all told in these aerial wide shots. Yeah. Because you could tell which are parents like reaching in for their kids and it mm. it was very like sad. It's very frightening. Yeah, yeah. Frightening and just sad to mm. watch. It's like all these kids are being sworn by all these cameras, lights and microphones yeah. and like you could see in the wide shots their parents just trying to reach in for them. Mm-hmm. They've been separated for three days. And that was the downfall of his popularity was the parents. Yeah, is like that they were working the the channels to try and get him. Yeah, well, like three days without their kids, yeah. sure. You know, like it almost like you understand it. Yeah. Of course, the media is weaponizing that, but at the same mm. time, it's like, yeah, you know, you do have their kids. Ma- Max is very worried about Sam at this point. It's just Max and Sam. It's just in Max the and museum Sam at this point, and he's like trying to talk him up off the ledge, for lack of a better term. Quite literally. Quite literally, yeah. Um. And earlier in the movie, you know, Max was talking about people he's interviewed, and he mentioned Mel Gibson, and uh, John. Tr- and Sam was like, oh, "I love that guy; he's a great actor." Um, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, no, but right in this scene, Sam Max is like, "All right, Sam, you're just gonna stay here. I'm gonna go convince them to lower their weapons so you can walk out." Yeah, and he's like, "So tell me, who do you want to who do you want to play you in the movie about this? Uh, just trying to like make Sam happy." And Sam's like, "How about that guy, Mel Gibson? I like him." I like him. And Max is like, hey, he doesn't do TV. <laughs> Tim's like, why? And he's like, I'll, t- I'll tell you later. Uh, he does not get the chance to tell him later. Right. Uh, so Max goes outside. And he's trying to convince the police to lower your weapons. Like, lower your weapons. And at this point, like, we have the hostage. Why would we? Like, he comes out. Weapons are up. Yeah. Um, Sam inside grabs his shotgun and tries to shoot himself. But Max had pulled all the slugs from it. Yeah. Uh, so he couldn't do that. Wait, Max had pulled all the slugs from it? I believe that's the implication. Oh, I thought he was just out. That might also be the case, but I, I, I took it as like again, he's such a simple man, yeah. and he's so out of his depth that of course he wasn't keeping track of how, what ammunition he had. Mm-hmm. I took it as he was just out, and he yeah. didn't realize it until then. Yeah. So, but and one way or the other, he doesn't have the slugs. No, he's out. And so Max is outside. He's like, "Please lower your weapons," and then the building explodes. He set off, sets off the dynamite. Uh, he kills himself and sets off the dynamite inside. Yeah. Max is blown forward. He gets injured. Um, he's pulled away by some cops. And then Laurie finds him and is like, what a great story. He's dead. Um, here, let's do an interview with you. Don't clean that blood off your head. It's going to look good on camera. Yeah. And Max is just like, we killed him. Like, we are the reason that man is dead and that building got destroyed. Yeah. And he just starts muttering, we killed him to anyone who will listen, which is no one, as they all ignore him and just surround uh, and try and make it even more of a story. Because uh, the one the story he had started for his own gain has now grown beyond his control and resulted in man's death. It yeah. Results in this wide shot of him being surrounded by the media, freeze frame. The only things that move in the frame are the police lights for some reason. Yeah, I noticed that yeah. too. That was a weird one. And that's the end of the that's movie. Credits. You know what time we're at? Thirty-five. Forty-five. Forty-five. I knew this would be quick. Yeah. I mean the the. This felt a lot like a Saturday Night Fever-esque thing. Not in the sense that the movie's perfect, but in the sense that, like, it's a good movie. There's just not much to talk about. Not really. I mean, the writing's on the wall with its subtext. Yeah. It's, it's not very, like, it's not like Phenomenon or Face-Off where you have to pull the subtext yeah. out of, like, the content to it. Like, yeah. it's pretty well on the wall with this movie. It's pretty much the movie is the movie. Yeah. The what movie we described is, is the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, for better or for worse... I think for better. I mean, I, yeah. 
God, I was very high watching this movie, yeah. but I still was able to recognize all of its tropes that it was trying yeah. to put in. And to be a at fault for comparison, I think is, you know, it's never something, it's never a reason why I think a movie should be, you know, ripped apart as much. Because yeah. originality was a big thing. Yeah. Like at least staying alive, it had like kind of an original thought. Mm-hmm. Because it's Stallone's career in some yeah. sense. This is panned for not only being a comparison, but just originality. Yeah, it's a movie that's been told before. Yeah. Which I don't think is necessarily like the worst thing in the world. It's a, it's a competently made movie. Yeah. But, you know, it did not do well. Um, it has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, a 45 on Metacritic, which seems more reasonable to me than 36. Yeah. We've talked about the difference between those ratings in the past. Yeah. Um, it was a huge box office flop. What was the budget in the gross? Uh, $50 million budget, 50 which million. I have no idea how it was. $50 million it does not look that expensive. No. Uh, it went, only gross 10. Wow. So it lost $40 million, not even accounting for like advertising. Yeah. P&A. Wow. So huge flop. Um, a ding for Travolta. A ding for Hoffman. Um, but it doesn't... It's not... It comes out the same year as like Face Off and other movies he's in, so it doesn't hurt his career, but it's also not helping it. Yeah, I mean, it came out the same year as Titanic and yes, <laughs> a bunch of other movies. Like it, it kind of probably got swept under the rug a little bit. Yeah, it was it was a movie that no one saw and was more or less roundly forgotten about. Yeah, like Shout. Yes, Shout. <laughs> you remember that movie? Shout, <laughs> Shout. You know, you make me wanna shout. Pick my hands up and shout. Oh, all right, all right, we're done. You're making me a little upset, Jeff. One could say you're making me a little bit mad. A little bit mad. A little bit mad, mad, mad. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, that's the movie. Yep. It's uh, that is the movie. That is Mad City. It's um, gonna be I mean, a short episode. Yeah, fairly short episode. I wish there was more I could say, but that's basically the extent of it. Yeah, I I don't really have too many other thoughts. I'll, I mean. The uh, sideburns? You know you know who also did not like this movie? Who? Dustin Hoffman. Really? Yes. Uh, he uh, called this movie Mad Shitty. Why you gotta Apparently do that, Apparently he gives man. nicknames to movies he doesn't like. Why you gotta do that, man? That was an IMDb trivia bit, right? Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I bet it probably was. Yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't hold that much ill will. Yeah, I liked it. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? 7 out of 10. I wouldn't say 70% of Rotten Tomatoes. I would say probably like 60, 65. Yeah. Like it's fresh. Yes, certified fresh. Yeah. Well, not actually 75 or above a certified fresh. It's 60. 60 is fresh, but certified fresh. Oh, 75% or above. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 60, 65, fresh. Um, for me, it's 7 out of 10 just because yeah. I... I liked the performances and the... Good performances, well directed. And well shot and well edited. Um, yeah, not a lot to turn it, tune down on this movie, you mm-hmm. know, but it goes to say like, you know, a movie as like competently made and yeah. written and acted, directed and all that stuff can just fly under the radar. It does yeah. kind of make you think like, again, with like blowout, right? Yeah. Like a movie that was more than just competently made and directed. It's the best like, movie we've covered. One of the best movies ever covered. Just didn't read. Yep. Didn't read with people. And yeah, I don't know. It's, I want to put this in the category of blowout, but yeah. Yeah. What's another movie that's like we've covered that like did not deserve the 
scorn against it. The scorn against it. I mean, it. white man's burden is. Uh... <laughs> okay. No. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of one. They say she's so lovely. It's kind of like she's so lovely. It didn't get like slammed. It got pretty decent. Reviews. But it was a flop, though, right? It did. Pretty sure it was. A yeah, flop. it was a flop. Um, uh, not as much of a disastrous flop as this, but still a flop. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I mean, perfect. Maybe I think we both kind of thought perfect was okay. Yeah. Um, but it got a. Oh yeah, it got like slammed with like Razzies and whatnot. Yeah, it did. Which is unfortunate. It is. But we're not here to talk about perfect. We were here to no. talk about. Uh, <laughs> Am I uh, making Matt's you upset? No. Okay. No, you're not making me upset. I'm not mad at you for this conversation, uh, Jeff. Mad city I'm right now. Quite happy to have this conversation. Yeah, this is a good conversation. Yeah. But um, I don't, I don't really have any last minute thoughts on Mad I, City. I think we kind of. I think I'm good. Did the deal. Yeah. If we talk for eight more minutes, we'll we'll reach an hour. All right. Thank you everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please remember to rate, rate review, subscribe, subscribe, and whatever platform you're listening listen on. And tune in next, next week, week for our episode on Primary Colors. Primary Colors. Hey. John Schultz and Mike Nichols' film about the Clinton campaign. All righty. Bill is going to be so excited. Um, Looking forward to that. Yeah, Bill. Do we have a guest on that one? Uh, former President Bill Clinton. That's our bit. That's our guest. No, we do not have a guest for that okay. one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, remember, we are... Did I already say that the places we're available on? No. Oh, uh, we are available on app, on YouTube, YouTube Apple Podcasts, podcast, Google Podcasts, podcast, and, and YouTube. You said YouTube twice. Uh, and Spotify. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, Find Google us podcast, at Trolting Pod on Twitter Instagram for updates and fun stuff. Pop into our Reddit, r slash Trolting. Email any comments or questions to TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Find Stuart on Instagram at StuartLMore95. Special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that's currently leading you out. Have a great week, folks.